Wrestling fans, and welcome to Shut Up and Wrestle, an old school wrestling podcast about good conversations and great stories. I am your host, Brian R. Solomon, and welcome to episode number 68, featuring my special guest and PWI collaborator, the French Canadian wrestling historian and writer, Pat Laprade. We'll get to Pat in just a moment. Want to make mention of a couple of quick things. Want to get this out of the way right away because I've been talking about this for the past few weeks. But as this episode is being posted, coming up the following week, I will be on my mini library tour in Michigan in support of Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real life story of wrestling's original chic. So if you happen to be in the area, come by and say hi. On Monday, May 22nd, I'll be at the Community Library in Charlotte, Michigan. On Tuesday, May 23rd, I will be at the Community District Library in Corona, Michigan. And on Wednesday, May 24th, I will be at the St. Clair Community Library in Port Huron, Michigan. I'll be doing a little reading from Blood and Fire. I'll be talking about the book. I'll be taking some questions. It'll be fun. Come on down. Looking forward to it. Also want to mention right now from Inside the Ropes magazine, this is a cool one. I'm proud of this one. Issue number 33, it's got Gunther on the cover. It just went up for pre-sale on their website, and it has my feature article on the 60th anniversary of Bruno San Martino winning the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship of the World from Buddy Rogers in Madison Square Garden, May 17th, 1963. And it is now, we are now hitting the 60th anniversary of that. And I got to kind of delve into the history of how the match happened, the real life rivalry, everything that led up to it in the careers of San Martino and Rogers and Vince Sr. and all the intrigue. For listeners of this show, you're going to love it. Please check it out. InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. You can pre-order it there. It should be available very soon. It does come from the UK. So if you are in North America, it may take a little longer to get to you, but it's worth picking up issue 33 inside the ropes with Gunther on the cover. Now, having said all that, without further ado, let us get to this week's interview with Pat. Now, a while back when the show first started in the early weeks of the show, I had Pat's longtime contributor, Bertrand Bear on the show. So now, at long last, I complete the cycle. Pat Laprade is my guest on Shut Up and Wrestle, and I will take you to that conversation right now.
Okay, so it's my pleasure this week on Shut Up and Wrestle to welcome someone to the show who he's got a, a, a long list of accomplishments, but but I'm going to start with just saying that he, like me, he is a fellow contributor to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, so we both share the masthead at PWI. He's also an accomplished wrestling author and historian. Some of the books he's done include Mad Dog, the Maurice Vachon story, which he co-wrote with Bertrand Bear, a previous guest here on Shut Up and Wrestle. They also co-wrote Mad Dog's Midgets and Screwjobs, which, like my own book, Blood and Fire, was the recipient of the Wrestling Observer Book of the Year Award. Um, he co-wrote Sisterhood of the Squared Circle with Dan Murphy. Also, I think a lot of people more recently no Pat from the Eighth Wonder of the World, the Andre the Giant biography from ECW Press, and which I'm excited to talk about on this show, recently announced in the works is a biography project on Dino Bravo. I'm talking about Pat LaProd. Pat, thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I can't believe that uh, you had Bertrand before me. <laughs> Kind of, uh, I'm a little pissed now. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it alphabetically. It's uh, alphabetically. Ah, uh, see, so. that's a nice way of getting out of it. I love it. <laughs> that's what I tell myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have, did you? Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I don't know if you heard the episode I did with him. I it, no. I, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate your honesty, Pat, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun Sorry because we, we we talk. I always like on this show talking with guests on topics that I don't get to talk about all the time. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk about WWF on here or, you know, Crockett promotions and things like that on an old school wrestling podcast, but to talk about, you know, wrestling in Montreal, wrestling in Quebec, things like that is, is fascinating to me. It's kind of like when I had, um, you know, I had a guest on recently who we were able to talk about, you know, wrestling at the turn of the 20th century. There's not a lot of people that you can have those conversations with. So I enjoy doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, M Montreal especially has been uh, uh, overlooked um, for so many years before uh, Bertrand and I wrote uh, Mad Dogs, Mages and Screwjobs because mainly because of the uh, language barrier, you know, that uh, most of the stuff that you could find uh, on the history of the territory was in French. So uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, be able to uh, discuss the Montreal, the rich history of the Montreal territory to uh, uh, English Canadians or, or Americans or, you know, even, you know, Australians and, and uh, in, in, uh, in the UK as well. And I have to say, too, that I've really gained an appreciation, and I think it needs to be said, of how... And I think American fans especially really need to understand this. What a different world you're talking about when you're talking about wrestling in Quebec. Because a lot of times uh, American fans and even people interested in wrestling history, they'll lump all of Canadian wrestling history together. Like, And, and I, know, I know it's a pet peeve of Bertrand because I, I'm not going to mention any names, but we, he and I, he'll know this when he hears this. We were on a podcast together. It was like a panel discussion and I could, it was visual and I could see him doing his best to remain composed as the hosts and people, they were just... They wanted to, you know, oh, Bertrand, uh, you're a, a Canadian wrestling historian. Let's talk about 
you know, Stu Hart, and let's talk about uh, the Maple Leaf Gardens and and Frank Tunney, and let's talk about Calgary and Stampede Wrestling, and you, you could see that he was it was that same thing that he, that probably gets brought up all the time, which is that oh, Canadian wrestling, it's all in one big lump. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seems like some people think that the Canadian territory is just one big territory, right. but people don't realize that it's the same size as the U.S., you know, in terms of, you know, going from Montreal to Vancouver is pretty much the same length as going from New York City to L.A. So, so I mean, you, you cannot cover, uh, you cannot cover, like, all of Canada, you know, at, at once, you know, it's it's impossible. We like like New York at its territory, and Elliot is, and 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 everything in between. It's the same thing in, in Canada, you know. So whatever happened in Vancouver when I was eight years old, I have no idea, you know. <laughs> unless unless I take the time to research it, of course, and and there's some of it that I know because you know we read about the history of pro wrestling, but. I don't know much about Van. I mean, I know what I know about Vancouver as much as I know what I know about I don't know Portland, Oregon, uh, Oregon. You know, so so and it's funny because it, it, it's it's not only in in the wrestling world. Uh, in in France, uh, how many times did I have people from France or Europe coming to me saying, "Hey, you know what? I'd like to. Uh, I will be in Montreal." And I would like to, uh, can we uh, have uh, lunch at uh, Niagara Falls and then go see the whales uh, in, uh, uh, in, 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 in like eastern part of Quebec? I was like, no, I mean, I, I, I don't understand. You know, it's like very far away what you're talking about. It's, it's six, seven hours one way and seven hours the other way, you know, so... Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it happens all the time, but 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 Montreal especially, Brian, is different because of 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 the French speaking people here. That's the main difference, I would say, between all the territories, uh, the wrestling territories in Canada. You know, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, uh, the Maritimes, uh, they all share the same language. But in 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 Quebec, uh, it, it's it's a whole different ball game because of uh, the French-speaking people who are uh, wanting to root for French-speaking stars. So so I would say that's the main difference. Uh, and that's why guys like Johnny Rougeau and Yvon Robert and Dino Bravo and even the Frenchmen like Edouard Carpati and André uh, were so big in Montreal. Right. And I mean, the easiest way to... to explain it for for people is like let's say you know as as an american fan let's say you grew up you know in st louis watching st louis wrestling and all of a sudden you find yourself talking to uh people who are saying oh that's great let's talk about florida wrestling let's talk about uh world class and let's talk yeah. about california and you're going well that's a thousand miles away i don't know <laughs> that that's a whole other world right and yeah. i mean the canadian system was very much like that and, and i I'm pretty sure that Canada is an even larger geographically country than the United States. So you're talking about territories that cover, in some cases, like even like Stampede, vast stretches of, of land. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, the drives uh, that uh, in Stampede the guys had to do was uh, was insane. Uh, Quebec was some sometimes a little better, but 
I mean, the big the big towns were, uh, you know, Montreal was, you know, is the was the main one, uh, but you know, Quebec City is like a two hours and a half drive from Montreal. Uh, Gatineau is is uh, is two hour drive. So I mean, in the summer they would go throughout the province and do, you know, more, uh, spend more time on the road. Uh, but uh, but the main towns, the main the main wrestling uh, arenas were uh, somewhere not that far from Montreal. So uh, uh, um, a far better uh, circuit to uh, to do actually. And also for the longest time too, um, Montreal had its own world heavyweight champion. I mean, that's something yep. that. I don't think gets talked about as much as it should because, and you know, it's understandable in a way because it was very much applicable to that region. So if you weren't in that region, you might not know about it, but whenever people talk about, Oh, this guy is an eight time world champion, this guy's a five time world champion or whatever. And they'll, they'll take into account the AWA or the NWA or even the WWA and the WWF. You don't you don't hear enough about that Montreal title because you had Killer Kowalski, who was a many time world champion, and people that don't know Quebec wrestling don't realize that. And you mentioned Yvonne Robert, who probably, I mean, if we broke it down, he might have the most world championships if if we include Montreal of any wrestler ever. I mean, I mean, it's it's an insane amount of times that he won that title. I think it's like more than more than Flair. Uh, I, 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 that's a good question. I would need to go back to my, uh, to my archives for that, but, uh, uh he, he, he might be, cl- if he, if he's not more than, if he has not more than 16, he, he, uh, he's very close to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, not only that is, is that, uh, the, the, the other reason also why Montreal has had its, uh, world title is that, uh, Eddie Quinn's relation with the NWA. Eddie Quinn was the the main promoter from 1939 to 1960. Here, um, he, he had he had a on and off relation with the NWA. You know, he, he wasn't happy with them all the time. Um, he, he was in and out of the NWA for some time. Uh, the, 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 there was that old Edouard Carpentier. Uh, thing also that happened where uh, when they uh, when the NWA uh, when Lutez was supposed to be uh, overseas they wanted to have some kind of an interim champion without saying that he was an interim champion so that the pick was Carpentier but finally Lutez ended up not going overseas so they just kind of wanted to reverse whatever they had done and it kind of pissed you know Eddie Quinn off uh, as well you know so uh so so he, he didn't have the best of the relations and and he wasn't he wasn't the kind of guy to take orders from from anyone you know from from a bigger organization he was doing fine by himself and and um and he wanted he wanted his champion for himself so if Carpati had you know, at the title of being the the, the, the recognized world champion, uh, he wanted him all the time in Montreal, um, and that wasn't possible with the NWA. So there were a lot of frustrations from uh, from Quinn's part, uh, but uh, but but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Kowalski. Kowalski is probably with all Kogan the two biggest foreigners. Uh, in terms of uh, drawing attraction in in Montreal ever, um, Ogan for obvious reasons, 
you know, he was he was that in in many territories when he uh, he tagged along with the WWF. But uh, Kowalski was, you know, in his era, uh, the biggest heel we had, and and the biggest guy outside of Quebec, non-speaking French guy we had too, you know. And I think you know you mentioned kind of the frustration with Eddie Quinn and and not, you know, kind of like clashing with the NWA and and going, well, well, we'll just have our own world champion. Then we don't even need that's, that's actually similar to what happened with capital wrestling and, and the worldwide wrestling federation, how they, they just said, well, we're just going to have our own world champion. Yes. And no, because at one time they also had the authorization from the NWA to have their own world title. It, it, it was it was in the rules of the NWA that, you know, no one could name a world champion, but Montreal was one of the few exceptions. So uh, then they were world. so then they basically were allowed to remain in the NWA yes. and still have their own world champion. Yes. Which would be different. Yeah. So then when when they were part of the NWA, they never stopped having their own world champion. So while they had their own world champion, and forgive me for not knowing enough about this as I should, but would they still then bring in the NWA yep. world champion? Yep. And I'm assuming then that they would capitalize and try to do champion versus champion kind of thing. Not not always, not always. Because um, I try to remember, but I think I think it's it's funny because Lutez was champion was NWA champion for a long for a long part during that period of time, and he wasn't the he he, he was a draw in the states in, in in many territories in Montreal as much as he enjoyed working in Montreal. Um, he wasn't that much of a draw in Montreal. When you look at the the the, the crowd, the attendance, he, he, he would draw. There weren't like anything like um, like like some locals would do. You know those Robert and and Carpati and all. Uh, but even Bobby Manigoff was a better draw in Montreal than. Than Lutez was, so I, I I don't know what I don't know why I don't know why exactly, he, you know Tez didn't didn't really connect with the crowd here, uh, so so Quinn was bringing him over uh, as he was bringing other NWA champions, but um, uh, he he wasn't on his own. He wasn't uh, he wasn't the biggest of the draw. So uh, so yeah, but but uh, all in all, um, they were. Um, it was more confusing, I think, for the newspapers sometimes mm. to try to figure out, well, this is the NWA world champion and this is what the Montreal, the, the Athlet Montreal Athletic Commission world champion. So sometimes in, in newspapers, they would they wouldn't mix all that up, you know, for obvious well, reasons. But uh, yeah. uh, but but when you when you take the time to research it, you can figure out, you know, what was what. And they would have even here in the U.S. that there would be, especially in earlier generations, there would be athletic commissions of states that would have yep. their own, like the New York State Athletic Commission had its own. And I think in the 30s and 40s, they had their own world heavyweight champion, which sometimes would overlap with the National Wrestling Association world champion, but not always. And the you know you mentioned Thez, there were spots where. He apparently was not a big draw. This would happen. New York was another place where he historically 
didn't do all that well, like bringing him in in the 50s to Madison Square Garden. And I think that's why they would just say, you know what, we're, we're, we're good. Like, And they would have somebody like Antonino Rocco, who would be their top guy. And they didn't even really have a world champion. And, and the fans didn't seem to care so much in New York. And I think also that's probably why Thez didn't really like Rocca very much. I think there was a little <laughs> bit of annoyance and bitterness there. But there were there were spots like that where Thez was not that um, much of a draw. Well, there you go. You know, so Montreal was also... Uh... Also, one of them, he really enjoyed working here. Uh, and, and you know, I spoke to uh, Charlie Tez many times, and and she confirmed that, you know, Montreal always had a special place in Lou's heart. Uh, he made sure that a guy like Buddy Rogers would be taken, taken uh, care of here, you know, by Eddie Quinn. So, uh, I mean, Montreal was, uh, he, he was, uh, he really liked Quinn, so, uh, but unfortunately, you know, the fans didn't respond the same way. It's not like he wasn't drawing anything. Let me. No, 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 uh, no. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I don't mean a, that, well, that he was just like a bomb, but he wasn't a top, the top, top no. draw. No, right? no, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the Carpentier thing, like you mentioned there, where they sort of tried to do this weird angle, right, where they could get the belt onto Carpentier and have, I think their goal was to have some, it's kind of similar to what they do now, or to have some dispute. Like they wanted to manufacture dispute who is the real NWA world champion so that eventually they could have a unification, but it wound up backfiring on them because you had all these kind of enterprising promoters all over who were kind of going into business for themselves. Like there were a few different versions, California and others of, of promotions basically at the AWA building these world titles around Carpentier in and creating a whole new lineage in a way that I don't think the NWA planned, and I don't think that they were happy about either. No, exactly. I mean, uh, and, and the confusion part is is real because uh, when you look at the finish of 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 uh, the Tez and Carpazzi match, it's like okay, so the title changed, uh, I believe, uh, by DQ, which is you know kind of rare. In, in pro wrestling, so that was one of the dispute. They they wanted an easy way out, so when Tez would come back from overseas, uh, he could retake his title um, just by saying, well, you know, um, a title sh sh shouldn't change hand, you know, by uh, by DQ or something, so I'm still the world champion, you know, and, 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 and Carpazzi would then say, well, I beat you, so I'm the world champion, you do a match, Carpazzi lose, and Tez is back on top, and you can just, you know, do the narrative that Tez never lost his title, right? So, uh, so that was, but but still, they wanted someone with the physical belt to tour the NWA territories while Tez would be away. So that's why they needed Carpentier. And it's funny because when I met Carpentier about it, I'm one of the few people <clears throat> who actually spoke to him about that whole thing. Uh, and he didn't know. He, he just, I mean, that was um, probably 50 years after the facts, but he simply didn't know that they wanted uh, an, like a kind of an interim champion. He wasn't told. And, and, oh, that's and so uh, interesting. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised, you know, why, why would you tell the talent about that? You know, why would you frustrate the talent by saying that you just want him, you know, to replace Tez, 
in in the meantime, uh, you don't have to do that. So you can just say, you know what, you're winning the title and then do something else. Well, you know what, you're losing the title. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he, he wasn't aware about that at all. Uh, he knew that there was some controversy around it, especially coming from Quinn, uh, but didn't know that uh, that information. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how they they would keep talent in the dark yep. to that degree. And I think, you know, they may try to do that now, but it's so much harder to do because of the Internet and social media and rumors getting out. I mean, even back then, if a rumor got out, if somebody found out about it, it would be a lot harder for the rumor to be spread around <laughs> you know you can't no, exactly. just uh it's today it's it's lightning fast uh but i you know i didn't even realize that he didn't have any awareness of it until much much later that's really interesting yeah yeah it was it was it was an interesting interesting conversation but i want to i also want to talk about dino bravo because this is mm-hmm. really interesting to me now for people that have followed your books and read your books and the stuff you've done with Bertrand and the stuff you've done with, with Dan and forgive me is the, the, this new book, is this also with Bertrand? Yep. Okay. So, and it's a biography of Dino Bravo. How did that come about? Well, uh, you know, when you look at projects that we can do on Quebec wrestlers, the list, you know, or or, or people that were like uh, a big name in Quebec, we've done Matt Dog Vachon, we've done a book on the history of Quebec wrestling, we've done Andre. Um, there's not that many projects that can be done on on a worldwide level, you know. So uh, Bravo was one of them. Obviously, because the way uh, that he uh, that he died um, and his implication into into the organized crime and the mob and all that, um, so it's a project that we had in in mind for a certain time. Uh, after Andre, I ended up working on another book, a hockey book. Uh, Bertrand worked on another biography locally here. Uh, but um, we um, we always thought that Bravo was was a good was was a good one, and ECW Press wanted to do it. Uh, our friends at ECW Press wanted to do it, but uh, they wanted to do a true crime story about it. They didn't want your typical biography or wrestling biography. And we were like, okay, cool. Well, I mean, we're we're up to the challenge. You know, it's we've never we've never wrote any uh, any true crime. Uh, books, uh, but you know what? If there's one story about a pro wrestler that fits uh, the, the 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 mole of a uh, of a of a true crime book, it's 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 Dino Bravo, right? I mean, there's like you you could say the same with I'm guessing Bruiser Brody, but mm-hmm. uh, there there's like very few individual in, in pro wrestling history where you can really do that. Um, and, and Bravo is one of them, by the way, you know, that he got killed, you know, being shot, you know, at his, at his, uh, home, uh, being found by his, his, his wife and his, uh, little daughter who, uh, thankfully was sleeping in her mother's arm when she opened the door. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that Bravo was, was, uh, was a character. He was, it was something else. He, 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 he had, uh, he, he, the, the, the Dino Bravo that we had here during the 1980s when international wrestling is is so different 
than the Dino Bravo that you guys have seen uh, with the WWF. And I always get that, you know, it's like people don't understand, Americans don't understand, you know, why we say that Dino Bravo was our version of Hulk Hogan. They don't get that, but it truly was. He he, he had he had this fire, you know, in his promo. Uh, he he uh, he really connected with the crowd. He was the this big, strong muscle guy, and he was booked as such as well. You know, he was booked as the biggest name in the territory from 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 the early 1980s to 1986. Yeah, 86 when he he left for uh, for Vince and. He, he, he was my first. It uh, was my first wrestling favorite before Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Bravo when I was young, uh, and and rightfully so. You know, he was the main draw. He was, you know, at the end of the day, he's one of the most popular wrestlers to ever step foot in in a wrestling ring in the province of Quebec. You know, uh, uh, just behind Ivan Robert and Johnny Rougeau and pretty much the list, you know, just before Rougeau and, and Robert. So so doing a book on him was was something that we wanted to do. Uh, and uh, the true crime story of it was the way ECW Press wanted it to be done. And we're like, okay, let's do that. So the book itself, is it going to be kind of focused on those incidents is that going to be the 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 bulk of the book the you know the organized crime and the incidents of his death and and that whole kind of thing is is that the specific topic of the book uh, it, it's it's going to be a big part of it but we I, I mean the way we see things is that you know we're going to have to explain who was Dino Bravo and to explain that we have to go back to his childhood to his relation to his uh uh, uncle by uh, marriage, uh, who was Vic Cotroni, who was uh, the uh, mafia boss in Montreal at the time. Uh, uh, we we need to talk about his career. So so to understand what happened at the end, you really need a full portrait of who was Dino Bravo. So that's 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 our goal there. So so basically, we're gonna take and use facts facts about Dino's life and career and turn it into a true crime story because i don't think that we're going to need to romance a lot of it uh for it to be a good story it is a good story as it is uh, an unfortunate unfortunate one of course because of the way he died uh, but it is a, a, a thrilling story uh, and of course the big question is who killed dino bravo you know that's one of the mystery um about 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 bravo is that uh who who, uh, who did the job and um we're gonna try and 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 why who and why so we're gonna try to uh answer as much question as we can uh during this uh, you know in, in this book and and i'm sure it's gonna make for a very good uh, uh story I just don't want you guys to go missing or anything, so you you might not want to dig too deep, you know. I I, I don't want I don't want to go missing either. I don't want to have to, uh, you know, start my car uh, at a distance for the rest of my life. So we'll we're we're going to be careful. Thank you, Brian. See, but but it's interesting to me because I, I've also been in that position of you're trying to select or think about who you want 
your your book to be on and what subject and you have to you have to also weigh the realities like there's so many books i would love to do that i feel like me and like 12 of my friends would buy you know what i mean like you have to be careful with that because there are subjects i love and am passionate about like i i would love to do a book about tutsmont and I have actually pitched that from time to time. And I know I would, I t- love, I would love to read a book about Tootsman. What a story that would be. I mean, that would be I fascinating know. story. But, but you're going to sell. There's limited interest. That's exactly. The, that's the, yeah. you know, it, it's horrible, but it's true. And the yeah. thing is, because I've also talked to my friend Tom Burke, who his his dream project is to do a book on Jack Pfeffer. Again, yeah. similarly absolutely what a story jim barnett i talked to keith greenberg about that a a book on jim barnett it's tough because you're the one putting all the work in the effort the expenses and it's it's got to be worthwhile in the end and so when you think of like someone like adino bravo or like in my case my newest one is gorilla monsoon i love the idea by the way but it's a sweet spot for me because you're thinking okay who is the person that you can write about old school wrestling and you can talk about all these very interesting things from the past, but the project is carried by the fact that this is a person whose name carries a lot of recognition. They were a national star. They had an appeal mm. in many different markets, but they their roots also go back. Those are the kind of people that are that are very like ripe for biography and and I feel like Dino Bravo's in that category. Yeah, definitely. And 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 when we announced the project, I mean, uh I was very happy with with how, you know, with the reaction that it got with with uh uh you know, the 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 way the way the news spread, I was really really happy with this because there's like a big uh interest in Quebec, of course. So probably there's going to be a French version of it. We're hoping so. Uh, but obviously there's a big interest uh, elsewhere in the English market. And, and and you know, when you were asking, is is the bulk of the book be around, you know, his relation with, with organized crime and his debt and all that? I just, I mean, of course, it's going to have a big place in it, you know, by the way the book will be structured. But also because Dino Bravo generates that level of interest because of the way he, he died you know if he would have died for just you know from 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 a disease from cancer or something he, i don't think there would be the same level of interest about a dino bravo book outside of montreal uh, but but the way he passed away it's it's well known uh, the dark side of the ring episode on him uh, made him uh, made him news again for newer generation, so I think it was the right time. And 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 me and Bertrand know all the players uh, here. Everybody who knew him, uh, I have a, a very close relation with his daughter uh, that I have met probably my gosh, uh, twelve years ago maybe now. So uh, and and she 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 puts a lot of of trust in in me and and we just celebrated it's uh, is thirtieth uh, um, dead anniversary uh, in March and and you know she did a few interviews with me uh, in the media here because some media wanted to talk about that so uh, so 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 we we're gonna be 
that that's why I have no problem saying that we're gonna, you know, be close to the facts, you know. So so it's it won't be a biography, but the information in it, uh, you can make sure that you know you can take it as cash because it's gonna be it's gonna be we're gonna do our research well and 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 hopefully we can and we're pretty sure that we're gonna be able to come up with new information as well on 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 some of the main questions that. Uh, that that uh, are around is is dead and all that you mentioned the 30th anniversary and it reminded me that i and i i remember at the time i remember when it happened and i also remember that um this is like early 93 that him andre the giant and Kerry von eric yep all dying very close together within weeks of each other and yep. this was I was I was about 18 years old and this was really before the unfortunate kind of explosion of wrestler deaths that kind of started happening uh from drugs and steroids and I I I I always pinpoint it with like Eddie Gilbert that felt like it was like one of the first ones like that that really kind of set off this cascade. So this was before you heard a lot about um wrestler deaths happening altogether so it was a, it was a shocking cluster at least it was for me i remember and also because they all three of them were huge stars and they had been oh, yeah. on, the, on the wwf platform <clears throat> i mean andre the giant carrie von eric dino bravo right on top of each other that was a shock at the time yeah that was that was crazy uh we did actually uh, talk. Uh, me and and Dave Meltzer talk about that on one of his uh, observers observers radio recently, and and we're like, that's 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 so crazy to think that three big stars like this died from you know weeks from another. You know, it's like one is one is a one 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 is enough. You know, but but there were like three. It reminds me of, and I don't know how much hockey you you know, but. Uh, last year we lost um, Michael Bussey, Mike Bussey from the New York Islanders, and the week after it was Guy Lafleur. And you're like, jeez, yes. you know, two, two, two. Not only you know because they were French Canadians, but but because they were like two of the greatest of all times. And you lose them a week apart, pretty much. You know, you, you can relate that to to uh, to Andre and 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 Kerry and and Dino. All dying within weeks, weeks, and 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 not only that, but the the three of them died in different ways. You know, Andre was just you know his buddy, his heart failing failing down. Carrie was uh, was suicide, and and Dino was you know um, a mob hit. And and you're like, geez, that's even more crazy when you think about it because, in in like you said, in the years that followed. Um, we had more and more deaths and 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 young young guys, but a lot of them was because of the same reasons, you know, because of 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 either you know overdose or or, or steroids or or drugs right. or alcohol and all that. But those three were three unrelated uh, reasons, uh, which uh, add to uh, the craziness of 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 the timing of all that. And they were all untimely, even though, you know, Andres was health related, but still, I mean, he was a man in his 40s, you yeah. know, and I understand with his with his disease that long life was not in the cards for him, but still three premature, untimely deaths. That's really what what was more shocking. It wasn't like these were three old men that passed away. These were no, not, not at all. Men. 
Not know? at all. Not at all. Yeah, you're right. And it, like I mentioned, Eddie Gilbert, that to me, and again, because I had not been a fan at the time yet for, I know, you know, Gino Hernandez, and he had his drug-related death. But for me, Eddie Gilbert was the first one where uh, it was kind of shocking to me to begin discovering how much drugs were a problem in the wrestling business. And that was when I really started being aware of it because there wasn't really, especially with the Bravo and Andre and Carrie, there was no internet really. So these were all things that you were seeing on the te- on news on television yep. or, or reading about it in the newspaper. So they were all a big enough deal to be carried as a news story and reported on like that. No, definitely, definitely, and and uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm 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 happy that we're kind of past that now, you know, yes. because the, the 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 late '90s and early 2000s were, and you know, you were always wondering, you know, who's gonna be next and and what news gonna hit you today. So I'm kind of I'm really happy that we are past that now. Uh, but uh, yeah, there was a time where it was uh, it was hard, you know, and and. Uh, um, but Bravo, uh, to go back to Bravo for a second, uh, I mean, is that was uh, was a shock, you know, in Montreal at the time, you know, because you never, never thinking that even because he wasn't, it, it was just a year off as his uh, wrestling retirement, and it was kind of forced to retirement in a sense, you know. It, 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 it I mean, he, he wasn't fired from WWE, you know, it was a mutual thing, but still, you know, it was just a year off that, so he was still very much in the news, very much uh, a well-known celebrity here in Quebec. So it made news all over, you know, so it's, it's really something that is, uh, that was, that was a shock at the time. And, and let me show you that uh, little piece of, uh, of uh, history, because when I first met his daughter, uh, she was uh, well. She still she still is. She's one of the best friends of one of my best friend's sister. So we are me and my friend are a little older than his sister and 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 Claudia, uh, Dino's daughter. And um, so we were uh, clubbing in Montreal in our in our early twenties. And um, when they 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 got to eighteen years old, I was eighteen years old in in in, in Montreal to. Uh, to to uh, to go out um we were in the same clubs and that's where i met her you know she was presented to me as you know dino's daughter and at the time when she was 18 she hadn't seen anything any newsreel from her father uh from from the uh the news coverage from her, her father uh passing away and it was one of our friends who actually showed her showed her the first news coverage she ever saw outside of the club and and it was like it it was so uh so weird to 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 see her react to that because her family it wasn't something that was really discussed in her family uh and you know she had never 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 looked up online to whatever uh was said about her father and and now I mean, 12 years later, she's like doing all that she can, uh, any interview, any presence uh, to uh, commemorate uh, her father, she'll be there. Uh, she made sure that uh, uh, 
uh, there was a signed deal for an action figure because her father never had an action figure. So there is now one. Um, and, and she does everything she can to uh, make sure that people remember who Dino Bravo was. So I was kind of, uh, you know, when I say that I have a close relation to her, it, it, it's in that sense, you know, in that in the sense that, you know, I, I knew her like hours before she ever saw one piece of coverage about, you know, her father's uh, uh, tragic death up until now, who's like, she's representing her dad so very well. So, uh, so, so, and, and we have the chance to, uh, to, to count on her too, for the book. Uh, she knows about it. She, she, uh, she, she, she agrees. Well, she didn't have, you know, at work, she didn't have to agree to it, but she gave us her, her, her blessing, which is always better when the family is on board. Uh, right. You, of course, you know that, you know, that, you know, by, by the Sheik's book, yes. uh, especially. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, uh, a lucky uh, meeting that I had with her and, and uh, I'm happy to, to have her uh, on my side, you know, with this project. So did she have an awareness at least that her dad had been a famous wrestler? Yes. Yeah. She knew that. Yeah. Okay. She knew that she, 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 she had watched a few of his, uh, of his uh, matches, but never went to see, you know, news coverage about, you know, the night he died. So, right. I have to imagine she was probably also sheltered from it by her family to a certain yes. degree. Would you think? And 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 the family doesn't really like to talk about it. Right. Uh, Dino's wife, Claudia's mother, uh, gave two interviews in her lifetime. Uh, the first one to me for a written blog. Well, a written blog, a blog on um, for the 25th anniversary of of his death five years ago. And the other one uh, to the dark side of the ring team, uh, and I so think... I was and, and I was the guy I was the middle guy for them to meet Claudia, and then you know through Claudia they 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 uh, they asked if she did they could talk to uh, to to Diane and and then she said yes uh, to my surprise but she said yes so uh, but she doesn't like to talk about it and and rightfully so I mean I, I cannot even imagine the images that goes through her mind every time the Dino Dino Bravo's name is mentioned because you know she opened the door and she saw him there you know and that's that's a memory that I you know wouldn't want to to have uh ever you know so it's 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 very hard on her still 30 years after the fact right I mean that that makes perfect sense and I, I yep. think that the the Dark Side of the Ring episode, like that show has done this for a few different things. It's really helped to remind people, but also educate people who weren't around then or who maybe weren't following it. Like I really do find as a result of the work that they do on that show, which I think is is excellent, and I'm excited to see that they're actually bringing it back because I thought it was going to go away, is that you have a whole wave of curious new fans and people that are intellectually curious actually and and take an interest in these things and the brody thing being another example that springs to mind of these topics that previously had really only been known about or talked about at least these days among really kind of hardcore wrestling history people 
are now being more widely debated or for yep. better or worse and discussed by people. Um, but again, it's it's made Dino Bravo's story much more high profile than it had been in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And the dark side thing did also uh, raise another question because in the documentary, uh, there was they, they, they were talking about a, a, a former Quebec Nordic player, a hockey player that Dino uh, fought with outside of a bar uh, back in, in, in the 70s or the 80s. Uh, in in the 80s actually and and i remember cm punk tweeting about it because he's a big hockey fan he was like okay i need to know who was this <laughs> hockey player and i e even i didn't know at the time and i ended up finding i ended up finding out and and reaching out to the guy and actually interviewing him on my podcast uh and 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 we we actually i had put it in on, on twitter at the time um but um uh, but yeah so it was even even i you know uh ended up uh learning a few things you know uh during that episode so uh i i mean i mean uh uh jason and evan are really are doing a great great work with the, the dark side uh, uh thing i had a very very nice experience with the bravo uh documentary but also with the luna vachon one mm -hmm. which i was a field producer doing the interview with uh, Paul Vacham and and uh, I mean I was very happy they were back actually because I was afraid to the way the way I actually understood it was that uh, they they uh they I really thought that they were gonna ended up you know not doing any more dark side uh, documentaries and go with the tales of the territories thing uh, but I'm glad they're back and and uh, uh hoping there won't be any uh any other uh plane plane from hell uh uh incident anymore because that that right. i believe that was that was the big blow and that was the one that made uh the future of the series uh in in a, in a big doubt you know and isn't that ironic because of all the episodes i mean there have been varying degrees uh of severity of things you know the episodes that have covered murder and and these in, in, in the death and things that uh, are even more intense than the things that were covered on that episode. It was that episode that really almost sank the series, like you said, because I think what was happening was one thing that I think was happening with the series as a whole, which I was getting worried about, is that I think there was concern. I know there was definitely concern with WWE and people in the industry that it creates a very a negative view sometimes of the industry when you look at all these horrible things that have happened when you collect it all in one place it doesn't always paint a pretty picture the other thing was you had the the, the whole situation where people were becoming afraid to participate like i think jr at the time said yeah. he never wanted to be on it again because of the position that he was put in and and what happened with tommy dreamer and tommy dreamer who was probably the the least offensive person on that episode, he was the <laughs> one that got in the most trouble for yeah. it. So, so people started second guessing, like, should I do this show or not? And, and I'm glad that, that, that they were able to overcome that because like you, I thought that the whole thinking was, Hey, let's do a positive show. And I love tales from the territory. I thought it was a great show, but I almost thought like they were thinking, let's do something positive and fun and we'll, it'll replace dark side of the ring. So I'm kind of glad. I'm very glad, actually, that it's that it's continuing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward actually to see uh, a few, uh, well, all of them, but especially the Abdullah the Butcher one uh, because of the Montreal link, of course. And uh, and and no, I mean, I mean, uh, and and when you look at the subjects they had this time around, there's no, there's nothing close to a controversy like the plane ride from hell. There's there's nothing close to that. When you look at at at, at the list that were that was out. It's mostly drugs, overdose, um, lawsuits. Uh, it's stuff like that, you know, which wouldn't, in 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 in, uh, uh, well, it, it shouldn't bring any like uh, it, it, those shows shouldn't be uh, shouldn't cancel anyone, you know. That's that's what I'm trying to right. say. Right. It, it looks like the topics don't seem to be anything that would place anybody who is currently, you know, active and around exactly in any under any kind of scrutiny. So if that's yeah. what they're looking to avoid, then I think that they pick their topics uh, exactly. wisely. Um, and I also, that reminds me, I wanted to, and I'll, I'll thank you here and now uh, in a, in a public platform uh, for putting me in touch with Gino Brito, who was on, I believe he was on the Bravo episode, wasn't he? Is that the one that he, he was. did? Yep. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, for my Gorilla Monsoon book, because yeah. he was he was such a pleasure to talk to, and so he had such a a great memory of specific things, which I found to be so valuable. Because for people that don't know, if they know only certain parts of his career. Um, with relation to what I'm doing with the, this book on Gorilla Monsoon, he is one of the last people still with us who worked and wrestled for Capital Wrestling from the very earliest years mm -hmm. of that company, even before they were the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, The before Bruno was there. I mean, the very earliest years, um, it's basically him Mark Lewin and I think Cowboy Bob Ellis, and I think that's really it. That is literally it as far as people that worked that early in that company's history. No, definitely when 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 because uh, uh, you know Gino lives like fifteen minutes from where I live, and and you know he's kind of a he he, he kind of became a, a grandfather figure for me. You know, with with years, you know, I'm, I'm I build up a very close relationship with him, which I'm very proud because. I mean, I still remember going to the Montreal Forum when I was when I was a kid and asking for Gino Brito's autograph. And now, you know, I'm 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 I cannot go to his home without his wife keeping me for dinner. You know, it's it. Oh, that's I crazy. mean, yeah, they they will she will stop talking to me if I don't stay. You know, so and and we we have dinner. You know, every like I don't know every month, every month and a half or so, and and we call each other in between. You know, so I'm very close to him and and. I don't remember what exactly, but he started to tell me a story and that included Gorilla Monsoon. I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> maybe it could be useful to to a friend of mine. And, and it relies a lot on me, you know, for that kind of things. You know, he's getting, he's not getting any younger. He's not on the internet. He doesn't have an email. He doesn't have a cell, cell phone. He's very old school. Um, but, but, you know, if I tell him, you know, Hey, you know what? You know, there's this guy who's doing a book on Gorilla Monsoon. He's a good guy, you know, be open with him, you know, because you know, old school guys, you know how they are, right, you know, they right. want to keep their stories or they 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 won't say too much. I was like, hey, you know what? You know, you, you can't tell him all the stories that you want to tell him, you know, that's fine. You know, he's doing he's doing a 
a, a good job with with the you know wrestling history and all that. And he goes, okay, great, no problem. So 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 there you go. Unfortunately, when the dark side of the ring team wanted to interview him, he he, he wasn't health wise. He wasn't feeling as 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 too good at the time. Mm-hmm. It's better now, but you know, he, you know, he's he's uh uh he's 80 80 he's gonna turn 82 uh in in like a week or so so uh you know sometimes you know he has ups and downs ups and downs you know and and that was a down when they 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 were planning to come here to interview him he he, he wasn't ready to do anything uh tv wise so that's unfortunate because gino was the one who actually started abdullah the butcher uh him 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 and his father uh jim um uh, Jack Britton, Jack Britton who, yeah. who, who was also the promoter for midget wrestling, uh, they started Abdullah in Windsor because uh, Gino and his father, you know, lived in Windsor for for uh, a few years. So, so that's unfortunate that they couldn't have access to him. You know, uh, it was just a timing issue. You know, if it was now, it, it would be okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, every time, every time, you know, I can get Gino to talk to someone. Uh, about uh, about someone he knew well, uh, I'm I'm all for it because you know he has a great memory, and and like you said, you know he goes way back and have a very sharp memory of, uh, of 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 people he work with or work for or all that. So he, he's gonna be he's gonna be a precious help for my Dino Bravo book. Let me tell you this: he, he told me a bunch about Dino already. And I know that he, he didn't tell me all because every time I go and have dinner with him or talk to him on the phone, it, these guys, they, they kill me, man. They, they always come up with more stories. When yes. I think they told yes. me everything, they come up with something else. You know, it's like it's like Ray Rougeau, you know, Ray Rougeau. I'm very close to Ray as well. And I don't know, like during the pandemic or, or no, no, a little before that. 2019 maybe so so like six seven years after we've done our book on the montreal wrestling territory ray tells me for the first time that he has a big scrapbook with all of his matches with like 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 jericho you know the thing that jericho did you know he has all of his matches from the first one he was keeping record of who who he he wrestled uh where it was some of their notes uh, and he kept all those books. And I was like, but Ray, you never told me this. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. You know, even because I was looking for a date and he said, yeah, yeah I, have, I have that in one of my books. What books you're talking about, man? You never told me anything about books. And he even had the date that him, his father and his uncle sold All-Star Wrestling in 1976. I was like, geez, you know, I, I needed that date six years ago. You know, so it's it's funny. They always come up with more things, and and it's 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 crazy. The they probably forgot more about the history of wrestling that we'll ever know. Yeah, and it, it always makes you think that they're holding out, or they've got like I because I've had that happen, and I even had it happen with Gino, where it all depends on like you may say something that will trigger something in their memory that if you didn't trigger it they would never think to bring it up. No. And it makes you think like, what other things do they know that just no one's ever bothered to ask them about, you know, like, like I always get fixated uh, almost to an obsessive degree when I'm doing this stuff on 
the little minutia and details about the person outside of wrestling. Like, um, like Gino was telling me about riding around with Gorilla and, you know, they both have an Italian background and yep. Gorilla singing in the car. And I got to, cause I had heard from other people that he had a nice voice and that he sang Neapolitan songs and Italian songs. And, and Gino confirmed it. Not only did he confirm it, he gave me the names of some <laughs> of the songs that he would sing. He gave me the names of singers that he liked to listen to. And I'm going, forget about the wrestling. I, I can find that out from other people. Tell me about who, who was his favorite tenor, you know, what, what, what albums? Cause he, he had like eight track tapes in his car. What tapes did he have in his car? These are the things I want to know. No, exactly. And I'm not surprised because Gino is a big uh, opera fan and, and, and yes, so and was gorilla. He, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm, I'm really not surprised that, that he told you about it. And uh, and it makes me wonder that you know it's it's a question I'm gonna have to ask uh, about Dino Bravo. You know who Dino like uh, as a, as a as a singer. You know, so I'll I'll put I'll add that up on my list of uh, of questions. But yeah, I mean Gino Gino is just great, and and I'm so thankful that you know his his head is all there. You know his memory isn't isn't touched. Uh, is you know is 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 his health problem has been more, you know, physical than, than mentally. So, uh, mm. and I hope to keep Gino that way a, a very long time. Cause he's been uh, very good to me uh, for the past uh, decade or so. And, and uh, I'm really thankful of that friendship. Well, and, and I'm thankful for the help that, that you've given with that, I because that, that, that to me, that's been one of the best, if not the best interview that I've done so far with relation oh, to the wow, book. Great. And, and, you know, I've been doing a lot and that was just, even just by virtue of the fact that it went back so far. So thank you. And and thank you for doing this too, for doing this interview, because I could talk about this stuff forever. And I love talking about the process of doing these books. So it's great to talk with someone like you, who we have some of the same experiences. So you can, you can kind of uh, relate slash commiserate slash whatever you wanted to, but <laughs> I love these kind of conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could talk about uh, wrestling, especially wrestling history for 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 uh, a very long time, and 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 an hour is sometimes too short. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's always always fun topics, and uh, I always glad I can help. You know, I, I mean, you know, after after uh, you know uh, four wrestling books and and ten years, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who uh, helped us, Bertha and I. So, you know, every time, you know, you, you know, how, how this, uh, how this is a, a somewhat close, you know, community, you know, the, the wrestling historians community. And every time, you know, we have a chance to help each other. Well, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all about that. And I think, you know, I've been looking into doing episodes with multiple people because now I'm very fancy and I have my premium zoom membership where I could do that. But at some point it might be fun to do one with you and Bertrand together. Oh, of course, of course we, we've done that many times. So yeah. it's, it's really, really not a problem. And uh, uh, yeah, of course, of course we'd like that. All right. That'd be great. And uh, I, I hope that we can make that happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'll make sure that Bertrand, uh doesn't do any faces 
like you did with the uh, Canadian territory thing. I'm gonna, uh, he'll, he'll, I'm gonna only want to talk to him about Stampede Wrestling. He'll, That's he'll, it. he'll make faces for something else. I will say, <laughs> but not for that. Let me, let me assure you that. <laughs> There you have it, folks, my conversation with my great colleague and friend, Pat LaProd. I hope you enjoyed that, and I do mean it when I say that I will, at a future date, be having Pat and Bertrand as double guests on the show. I think that would be a lot of fun as of right now, though. Next week, coming up on the show, it's going to be episode 69. Cut out the giggling in the back, I hear you. And my special guest will be the AWA wrestling historian and all-around old-school wrestling super fan, George Shire. I know a lot of you folks out there know about George and his work, and I can tell you already, this was a great conversation that I cannot wait to share with you next week. And keep listening to the show because I've got the great guests lined up, as always, in the weeks to come. This is going to be a big one. The author of Ringmaster, the brand new biography of Vince McMahon, Abraham Josephine Reisman, will be my guest on this show. I'm also going to be having Tim Keenan, the wrestling historian and author, among many others. So keep listening to Shut Up and Wrestle. And where can you find it? Our website is suawpod.com. That's a great place to go because it's the only place where you can have access to all past episodes, not just the episodes of the previous year. So anywhere else you go, you'll find the past year's worth of episodes. You can go to Spotify, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Subscribe to it so you'll never miss an episode. It's worth it. And while you're at it, join the Shut Up and Wrestle Facebook group. Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian R. Solomon. We're getting perilously close to a thousand members of the group. Help me make that a possibility. While you're at it, be sure to check out a lot of the other projects that I work on. Of course, there's the Wrestling News. We talk about it a lot here and on the other Arcadian Vanguard shows, thewrestlingnews.com. Check it out also on YouTube, on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube page. It is your daily dose of wrestling news from Mike Sempervivi, myself, and the rest of the Arcadian Vanguard team, so you don't want to miss it. Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original chic, can be acquired on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and many other fine retailers in print, digital, and audio form. While you're at it, pick up my latest book, Superheroes, the history of a pop culture phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. Brand new, hot off the presses. Pick it up, check it out, let me know what you think. The magazines that I write for, I mentioned Inside the Ropes magazine at the top. That's InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. There's also, of course, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Get it at PWI-Online.com. And while you're at it, take a listen to the PWI podcast because I'm the co-host with Al Castle. And we very recently had Mike Sempervivi on as a guest. It was a great episode that I encourage you to check out and give a listen. If you're looking for me on social media, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Brian R. Solomon. I can also be found on Facebook. My author page on Facebook is Brian Solomon Writer. And on any of those social media platforms, you will find the link to my author website on the World Wide Web. 
Shut Up and Wrestle is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And as always, this has been Brian R. Solomon asking you to keep those cards and letters coming in and reminding you of the great words of George W. Bush, who said, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. So long, wrestling fans. 